Deshaunik, personal log, stardate 41461.2. I am here to partake in the entrance exams for Starfleet Academy. I am one of four candidates and the only Vulcan. I find the actions of the other hopefuls most perplexing, for they seem to focus more on conversing about their emotions than they do the task at hand. I just sit here, quietly, in the background, doing my work. I am particularly intrigued by the youngest of the three, one young Wesley Crusher. If there is a leader of the emotional conversations, it is he. And yet, he still manages to beat my time again and again. I shall never understand. I must go, for the other three have initiated something called a feeling circle, and I simply cannot with that right now. Welcome to Re-Engage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So pass your psych test and let's re-engage. We are here once again for this, the episode Coming of Age, and here to help me, my cultural bridge officers, starting with Mr. Greg Tito. How are you, good sir? Doing good. So excited that you mentioned the the Vulcan. I believe this might be the first Vulcan that we see in Next Generation, which is very exciting. Yes, yes. The first spoken line for a Vulcan in Next Generation. Very cool. Jimmy G, how are you fine on this fine night? I am absolutely wonderful. Um, I found myself with this episode, and you never forget when you find yourself. Wow, I am intrigued and excited and scared. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see, we'll find out where that leads. Uh, and then finally, Mr. Eric Gratton. Hello, good sir. Hi, let's go back to Jimmy. I want to see where he found himself. This is very exciting for me. I've always wondered where he was and who, and who found him first. Uh, so I'm assuming that this is going to give me some of the answers I've been looking for for nigh on 17 years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're gonna I'm, not, pin- I'm not ready to divulge yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need to pin this episode somewhere just as an important uh, zeitgeist sh- shifting moment. Well, here yeah, well, we are. Oh, yeah, go. No, I was just going to say, we'll make sure that it gets referenced on Jimmy G's Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I have a guess. I have a guess, but we'll wait till we get to it. Well, let's go Ooh. back in time. We are on March 14th, 1988. Uh, we had 10.1 million viewers, which is an increase of over a million viewers from the previous episode. Uh, we took a nice three-week break, or they did back then in 1988. So, uh back up a million viewers from that previous episode. The number one song on the radio. Sing it. Never gonna give you up. Never, never gonna, gonna let, let you down. down. Never, never gonna, gonna run, run around, around. Oh. and hurt you. Oh my goodness. The original Rick Rolled. Shit. Oh, yeah. Rick oh. Astley. Do y'all remember that video? Because I, I do. Oh, yeah. Clearly. He does the flip yes. in the air off of the he wall. He does the Donald O'Connor flip. It's so good. He looked very cute uh, in that. Even as as a, as a, as a straight uh, teenager, I remember just being like, oh, yeah, I like that look. I want to I wanna get a, a trench coat. And I did. I did buy a trench coat. <laughs> you did? I, yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> it may have I remember to- hearing, a, hearing a story that he was working at the label that ended up signing him, like as an office worker. And just like singing as he was walking along while they were actively looking for someone to compete with Robert Palmer mm. in the British market. 
And so they found this redheaded kid who had kind of a soulful voice. And they're like, okay, this is you. <laughs> Here you, you're, got, you're putting out an album, kid. Wow. And, uh, wow, that actually Yeah, I loved worked. it when I was a kid. And I don't know if I'm making that up from a whole cloth because I haven't <laughs> looked at it. But I remember hearing that at one point like 20 years ago. That means it's real. Yeah. It's canon. canon. Uh, oh to be this irresponsible with the words i say that week folks were watching vice versa the movie starring (gasps) judge reinhold and fred savage for those of you that don't remember or don't know that is a body switching movie between father and son so sort of takes freaky friday and says what if they were not women and (laughs) It is a fantastic... I loved that movie. Judge Reinhold, Fred Savage. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it a hundred times because it's one of those things that, you know, I'm basically Fred Savage's age, as are we all, I assume, except Jimmy, who's Peter Falk's age. And um, (laughs) Can I ask us one more thing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved this one. But I love... I'm still a sucker for every Body Switch movie. Did you guys see Freaky? Not yet. I have to. It's on my list. Are anyway, so I... many in this period too? Because wasn't there like eighteen oh, totally. again? Yeah. Also, it just come with. Was that Dudley Moore? Yes. Uh, and then and there was Kirk Cameron. Maybe. I feel Kirk like Cameron. that's right. Yes. No. Wait. 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 No. That was a different one. There was a different one. There was like three. In uh, like... What was the What was the George Burns one? That That was the Kirk Cameron one, wasn't it? No, that was a different kid. <laughs> yeah, it was Kirk Cameron, and you guys are right, Dudley Moore. And then there was one with George Burns. <laughs> And his own grandson switching places. Oh, God, right part two. At the same time. <laughs> no, right? And I'm oh. the old one. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, this was the 80s, Jimmy. You were in college already, I assume. No, not till the 90s. <laughs> but close. 19. You're busy. Not till You're much, much busy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Vice Versa had uh, uh, one of those weird scenes where the girlfriend of Judge Reinhold's character comes on to who she thinks is the dad, but it's the kid. Very, very big vibes that way. Yeah. Uh, scan- a scandalo. <laughs> a scandalo. <laughs> and Judge Reinhold's not that old. That's the weird thing for me is like, you know, he was not that far from like Fast Times at Ridgemont High to be playing a dad, right? Right. Mm, almost 10 oh, years. I, uh, I don't believe that. I've been told that that's how long it takes to make a baby. So... <laughs> I just assume he was old in Fast Times. Yeah. Also that. That's probably true. (laughs) Uh, In the news this week, NASA reported an accelerated breakdown of the ozone layer from chlorofluorocarbons. Do you remember chlorofluorocarbons? Because holy shit, I remember learning that my hairspray was deadly. My styrofoam was deadly. My ammonia solvents that I used to clean industrial strength refrigeration units was deadly. I had oh, a yeah. lot of odd jobs as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. All, all still true. But uh, there's so many other things <laughs> that we have learned in the meantime as well. But, yeah, we learned about that a lot. It was like, don't use aerosols ever if you ever can. Like, don't. And this was, you know, hairspray was big in the 80s. Remember? I feel like this was also like a killed Aquanash. Backlash against uh you know bon jovi really (laughs) (laughs) 
This episode was written by Sandy Fries. However, Hannah Louise Shearer performed an uncredited rewrite. You may remember her mm-hmm. from When the Bow Breaks. She was the one uh, that had um, pitched that story to DC Fontana and then became a staff writer as a result of that pitch. Um, right. Interesting that they brought her in after When the Bow Breaks to do yet another episode that that dealt with uh, folks of different ages. I wonder if that was a particular skill set that uh that hannah was seen as having but uh sounds like she re- retouched every little uh section of this that makes sense Direct- it, oh yeah the, the, it, it, i didn't think about it until you just mentioned that but it almost does have a, a breakfast club kind of feel of it where it's like oh here's four teenagers put into a, a situation and then you know obviously there's not the the uh you know stereotyping of what groups they're in but you know there is that feel of like you know maybe that was what was used up um by yeah. uh, by her influence. This episode directed by Mike Vehar. Uh, this was the only episode that he directed of Next Generation, but he went on to be a prolific uh, director for episodes of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and particularly Enterprise. Mm. This was the first episode. I think uh, we sort of mentioned it last week that uh, Maurice Hurley took over as showrunner from Gene Roddenberry. And apparently he was so worried that the writing process was going poorly under Gene. As we know, we've talked a lot about uh, last minute rewrites and lawyers writing scripts, all of that fun stuff that's happened in the past. Uh, Apparently Maurice personally paid for Gene and uh, Majel to go on holiday with the understanding that he would sort of take over while they were gone. And then he just sort of kept taking over even once they got back. So uh, I'd like to sense that maybe he sent them to Cancun or something fun like that. <laughs> just, just a nice They little... needed a chaperone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> topical for people for three weeks in the past. I know. For three... <laughs> <laughs> if you were here right now, you'd be like, damn, that's some topical fucking humor. You just <laughs> nailed Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> This is going very well. We'll The standing is not working. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, Greg. Greg is at a standing desk right now, and it is aggressive. (laughs) I'm trying to be like Riker. Like I said, not going to make this interview go go faster. But yeah, Riker had some aggression. Oh my gosh! Particular time and place. But I was thinking about well, you brought up the Maurice Hurley thing uh, as, mm-hmm. as we're as we're talking about that. I, like I feel like his influence was certainly in this episode because they seem to point towards later episodes yeah. uh, very well. And it was like, okay, Maurice, I, I'm projecting. I have no idea if this is true, but I feel like he was he was like, all right, now this is the way we're going to get through the end of this season with some semblance of the trekkiness that he was missing or something that uh, uh, was bringing it back together. Yeah. Uh, and apparently one of the things that uh, Hannah Louise Scherer worked on was the uh, the conspiracy section um, mm. and leaving it very intentionally open-ended uh, because they knew that they were going to hit that later in the season, but it had not yet been decided what that full conspiracy was. So they were sort of laying the foundation for something that they knew they would kind of talk about later. <laughs> right. Which they they hadn't done before, and then this also this episode is also very referential of previous episodes, so it could feel, you know, we we talked a lot about uh, in the beginning of this how this feels like a a procedural show, very much different from you know modern TV and, and even the modern treks that are out there, um, but this was the first one that I really was like, oh, there is a history with this 
with this crew already. We're learning in there. You know, I mean, they, they referenced, you know, where Donovan has gone before. And, you know, I think the uh, Naked Now and all these other kind of moments that were highlights of the first season. Uh, and I thought that was, you know, uh, a departure from the way perhaps Gene Roddenberry was like, no, each one has got to be contained. Yeah, definitely giving us little breadcrumbs of what we're going to, even down to knowing that Wesley will be uh, definitely applying for school once again down down in the future. Right. And speaking of that, I, that's my first criticism of the episode. I love this episode, by the way, but that that there's only <laughs> only one seat available at Starfleet. Yeah. Um, this is Holy a ridiculous shit. notion that's completely contrived drama in that uh, uh, four talented people and only one of you get to go. Come back next year, everybody else. Starfleet will be waiting. Yeah, um, I did wonder how they up their Starfleet ranks if they've got uh, right. such an intense... Every planet uh, gets one. It just one. It's like the Gates Foundation. We have 1,500 seats, and we never fill more than that. It doesn't matter. I guess you have to live in the Seattle or work at Gates to really understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It's better than Tom Cruise. Trust me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was gold. <laughs> Golden. Historians uh, are going to teach that one. We had, y'all, this was, this was a cavalcade of guest stars. Oh. And some fantastic fucking guest stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to start with Ward Costello, who played Am- Admiral uh, Gregory Quinn, uh, best known as General Marshall in the MacArthur movie. Uh, mm. And he had spent his career playing military men. And then, of course, we would go on to see Admiral Quinn uh, in, in a subsequent episode. Uh, Stephen Gregory, who played Jake. Oh, Jake. <laughs> Jake. Oh, he's so full of ennui. Uh, yeah, that's it, a rough one. It was not surprising to me that uh, Stephen had made a very good career uh, in the soap opera world with yes, As the World did. Turns, The Young and the Restless, and eventually ending up on Law and Order SVU. As Lieutenant- a regular? Uh, yes, Semi regular. Yeah. He's oh, wow. yeah. He's recurring. After he retired, he took like ten years off, and somebody remembered him and went like, "Come be on this show." And he's like, "Okay, yeah. yep. it's a great gig, man." And uh, let's just say he was out of transporter range, so you can beam people up from the planet, <laughs> but not from a ship that's just outside of the planet. So there's this is knowledge we didn't have before. These Jimmy. are parameters of the the beaming world that we, we we didn't know about the limitations. So this was very educational episode. <laughs> Jimmy, the reason for that is science. Okay. <laughs> I think it might be a lack of science. <laughs> the midichlorians in his blood prevented him from being. Okay. okay. And, they, okay. and they didn't have a saved version of his. Uh, <laughs> right. He wasn't trapped. Just in case he left his body and showed back up. He wasn't trapped in the uh, transporter loop. Right. <laughs> Uh, Robert Ito, who played Lieutenant Chang, the mm. uh, administrator of the test, was a main cast member on Quincy M.E., uh, which was a fantastic Big show. Big show in my family. My yes. mom loved Quincy. Medical examiner. Medical right. examiner. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I All I can say is that I, I'm desperate to have this fucking guy talk to my class before I take any test in the fucking world. Like, I hate these 
secret tests that they spring on him. But he, this guy will talk up your team until you're ready to run through a wall for it. Like, that <laughs> right. was nice. And he had yeah. great moments where he started off a sentence like he was mad as hell. And then he ended with a smile and said, good luck, kids. Yeah, it's just great. <laughs> going to do yeah. great. He's delightful. <laughs> Uh, he was also uh, in two of my favorite movies, uh, Rollerball and The Adventures oh. of Buckaroo Banzai, yes. mm, which where are I two recognize him from. fucking classics. And what love, dimension was that? Love, love. Eighth. Eighth Across. dimension. Eighth yeah. dimension. Uh, now we get into the multi-hyphenates. Um, these are folks oh. who, uh, oh my God, come with so many talents it makes me want to throw up uh starting with john putch who played mordock oh. uh best known as bob martin in one day at a time Love and it's it. sean brody in jaws 3d y'all one of my favorite movies <laughs> i fucking love jaws 3d wow. he uh, always had such a smart ass vibe in everything i saw him do as an actor except for this episode and i fucking love him in this too. oh my god that 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 character design in and of itself uh they were uh, actually nominated for an emmy for makeup uh for this episode yeah right which, one of my um, favorite that, characters i love this murder me too I that breathing him. apparatus everything about it just well, his John, voice like i found oh, yeah. very calming like i wanted i would want to be his friend like i i want to buddy up with this guy well, and that's what I'm saying. He was such a smartass in most of his characters because he, you know, he's the son of Gene Stapleton, who's who's one of the biggest, brassiest character actors of all time. And, you know, that that's going to steer you in a direction <laughs> in a place like Hollywood. Right. So getting the chance to play something like this is, is really neat. It just shows how, how versatile the guy is. He was terrific. Well, and he went on to be a very successful director as well. Uh, directed a lot of episodes of Scrubs, Ugly Betty, Cougar Town, and most recently American Housewife, which is a show that I did not know existed, but apparently does. And I, several seasons now. Quite, quite recently and many seasons. We're yeah. actually fans uh, of, oh. in the Tito household. We've watched a bunch of American Housewife. Well, there you, you've been watching John's work quite extensively. I guess then. I have. Yeah. yeah. We're all very uh, good. I feel like we have to mention his 2005 made-for-TV version of The Poseidon Adventure, starring Adam Baldwin, Rutger Hauer, Alex Kingston, oh. and Steve Gutenberg. The Goot! And Peter Weller! Oh, wow. And C. Thomas Howell. Holy shit. Now, this was a TV version of of The Poseidon Adventure that I will be trying to track down. Right? And, and watch. Yes. I would watch the shit out of that. Yes. That's star-studded. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm going to move on. We've got so many guest stars. It's, it's <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Gotta keep, yeah. Gotta keep it going. The uh, next one's my favorite. N- uh, you don't know. You don't know because you Maybe. don't know who I'm going to say yet. Uh, I'm going to talk true. about uh, Tasia Valencia, mm-hmm. uh, who played Tashanik. The next one's my favorite. Who plays, uh, who plays one of the uh, main computer voices in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, Sinchu. Also, uh, That's awesome. The yes? Sinchu. So the, the, Sinchu the original computer. ship. Also played Poison Ivy in all of my favorite Batman Uh, games, uh, Arkham City, uh, Arkham Asylum. Played Shakti in Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Seriously impressive voiceover creds on this one. Like you should look up basically every game that I have played in the last, you know, 15 years. uh, She has provided a voice for. Why not? That's now, awesome. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the rug out from under you, Eric, because I don't think Uh-oh. this is gonna be your favorite one. But this one Damn is it. the one that surprised me the most. Yeah. Estee Chandler, 
who played oh. Oleana. <laughs> what a life. Uh, some some acting credits prior to this, including Teen Wolf 2, which is notable. Come on. Yes. Come the fuck Nikki. on. Jason Reme- Bateman right? is, is that one, right? Yep. 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 T-O-O. Boxing. The boxing yes. Teen Wolf. Uh, but she shifted and moved on to the visual effects world and was a visual effects producer on Pleasantville, Team right. America wow. World Police, and was the visual effects coordinator on The Long Kiss Goodnight. And those are three fantastic looking movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. holy shit. Right. I wrote down just the words, I love Hollywood careers because of because of her career. She she did all of that. And she was like the script supervisor for Adam Sandler's Overboard. Like, it's the weirdest career. And, and now I believe she works largely in... Uh, activism and fundraising, uh, which is awesome. <laughs> like, what an interesting life uh, the arts makes people live. And she got to call Will Wheaton cute. Yeah, let's. Yeah. we'll talk about that. <laughs> I think that's good, right? Now we'll talk about Eric's favorite. <laughs> oh, you think? I, I love think it. so. Uh, Robert Schinken, who played oh. uh, Lieutenant Commander Dexter Remick, uh, has some fantastic... Uh, credits as an actor like undoubtedly but went on to win in 1992 the pulitzer prize for his nine act or sorry his nine (laughs) at nine hour play the kentucky cycle and then a tony award for the play all the way uh and also did the teleplay for that Mm -hmm. which is about uh the meeting of martin luther king jr and lbj so went from being remick uh you know, the, the villain of all villains in this episode to no big deal. I'm just going to win a Pulitzer Prize. I was uh, understudy for the Kentucky cycle Were in grad you? school. Holy shit. Yep. Got to say, I pitched it. I'll cut you out of me like a boil. <laughs> <laughs> I pitched it every year I was in grad school. And the year after I left, they did it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah, I know mean, what you gotta do. <laughs> what Nine do you have? Hours. Anything else you want to add about 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 him? Because I mean, I yeah. that's, that's just that's just a little icing of of what he's done. Well, I I did not know this was him. Like I no, I me either. I I have not seen this in in the time since I've known who he is as a playwright, and it's it was honestly akin to like seeing Elaine May perform for the first time after after being introduced to her more as a writer and director than a performer and then going back and seeing that she was a brilliant performer first you know, or knowing Tracy Letts primarily as a writer and then seeing his incredible work as an actor within within that type of thing too it, it's always baffling to me when someone is that good at two things, you know, Greta Gerwig, like there, there are so many people who, who qualify Jordan Peele, like, <clears throat> cause it's so hard to do any one of these things really well. And I thought he was terrific in this. Like, oh my God. Fantastic. Ball. And, you know, then I went back and looked at pump up the volume and he's not in it long, but he's a terrific ball in that yep. too. Like, Mr. Oh. Deavers. <laughs> it's just great. Right. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, it's 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 like getting a chance to watch Noel Coward uh, do the play versions of the plays that he wrote, which he did, you know. So I, I, I want to meet the man. He's still active and still yep. doing his thing. And that was it's just so cool to watch him in this. Yeah. Sorry, that's my monologue. No, cool. it's not. I, I was floored when I when I realized it was the same person. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, cause like you, this episode has stuck with me through the years for sure. Uh, but I had no idea, uh, that that's who he was. That's yeah. We get him coming back. Yeah, yeah. Coming back. Well, let's dig into the episode. Why do you keep wanting to talk about guest stars? Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. So there done are so many with good you ones all. in this one. <laughs> Uh, so we start out uh, before the credits. Wesley has a friend named Jake, and Jake is so sad. He did. Because he, he did not qualify for the Academy test. 32 points. That was all That's it was. That's a lot. That's a lot. He makes it seem like, <laughs> oh, it's only 32. Only like, 70 points in the dude, test. Dude, 32 is a lot. You did. You weren't close. You win a game by 32, you're not like, almost had it. <laughs> were these SAT scores though well and I have to say the moment he gets behind the wheel of a shuttle he breaks it so no right. wonder he didn't pass right. he didn't qualify because he couldn't do shuttle 101 and he wouldn't Wesley have has, has already steered the entire ship right. before right yes he's flying the ship <laughs> so the yeah. flagship starship his poor buddy but Jake is trying to be so happy for our, for our buddy, and we notice that Wesley has a sassy new haircut. Ah, ah. I didn't notice. Little, oh yeah, no, it's a total sassy new haircut. <laughs> he's got a little bit of a like a like a little bit of wall of hair with the bangs. It's very 1988. It's it's luscious. Uh, and we find out that um, uh, an old friend of Picard's, an admiral happens to be on board and uh, or happens to be on that planet. So when Wesley is uh, go- making his way to the planet, the Admiral, and as I wrote, some dour looking asshole named Remick uh, show up and I immediately <laughs> got angry. Like I saw them and I immediately got mad. Yeah. Remick has that real junior high kid, Stephen Miller energy. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. Yeah, and even the way that uh, the Admiral like, is so dismissive of, like, here's my bridge crew, aren't you? You know, and, and you don't really get this, but it's implied that he was, like, a teacher of Picard's uh, or something. It was, like, a mentor to Picard at some point. And, right, and Picard's going to be like, look, these are my cool bridge officers. Don't you like them? He's like, no, I don't like them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very crestfallen. Was yeah, and, and uh, come talk to me. Oh, great. For, number one, come with me. No, you alone. Well, fuck that shit. Right. Riker's my boy. Don't you guys know that that makes Riker yell? <laughs> like, that's going to make Riker yell a lot. It's true. You saw it. It's true. Uh, we find out the Admiral is going to stay on the ship, which I'm like, if we invite you to. But apparently you have to say yes uh, if it's an Admiral. <laughs> and, now, and now we're on the planet, and I want to know who this bitch is. Because she holds Wesley's hand a little too long, if you ask me. That is uh, a long holding handshake. Long I noticed that too. I was like, handshake. "That's awkward for everyone." Oleana, okay, thank you. You and your curly hair and your your weird sweater that like ends partway above your boobs and then visualize back. this, bitch. <laughs> She's very pretty. She is very good. I would just like to speak up on behalf of Oleana for a second. Interesting. It's a name that is... I'll uh, note that. It is not... (laughs) Not In a theater world, it's not a a happy name. No. 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 She's going to give you trouble. 
Uh, we find out Wesley is just about to turn 16. There's apparently a, a deleted scene or a scene that didn't make it into the final cut where the bridge uh, actually celebrates his 16th birthday, um, which I would have loved to see. So I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> a little sweet uh, cumpleaños for Wesley. Yes, yes. And we meet the Mordock. He gets so mm. excited when he meets oh. Mordock. Which I got excited when when we meet Mordock. Me too. Me too. It's a it's a you know it, it's a thing that's like a, you know the Picard maneuver. Like it feels like they're like oh you're known for this uh, for this move. Yeah. What was it called? The Mordock strategy. Yeah. Um, but I read that it uh, in an earlier draft it was a, a chess maneuver that was supposedly making its way in the twenty fourth version of twenty first century version of the internets. And was <laughs> famous in that, and I, I wonder if that's why I got cut because they don't really talk about what the public consumption of information is. But Wesley definitely would have been on the web and and okay. know about what you know the famous chess strategies that Mordock is coming up with. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Galactic Computer Network, GCN. That's what oh, uh, he was famous on. And that wow. scene you're talking about, they cut out, they go to lunch to uh, discuss the strategy. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. wow. Ad nauseum. Nice. Which That's I would have loved to have seen just to get some more Mordok because I loved him. And I, I, I want to see this over to Eric because he'll have more uh, to say about it. Other than I, I, I just loved the way he talked. <laughs> drew me in. And it reminded me a lot of... Um, who am I thinking of, Eric? Uh, the 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 anybody the the space ah. parody movie with the guy who played Veronica Mars's dad. Oh yeah, uh, mystery or uh, galaxy galaxy quest. quest. There was something yeah. about Mordok that reminded me of that character. The, the, Definitely the, the way his mouth moved and the, the, his sort of quick responses that were just there's nothing ever judgmental about it and i was like i yeah. absolutely loved every second that guy was on the screen i i feel like he understands how to how to work in those plastics really well like mm. the, the the whole thing with playing monsters who are so different physically from what we are um and it's different than playing humans who are different physically from what you are as an actor uh but you know, when I played Shrek and you can't really move your head from side to side. So you have to kind of turn at your shoulders. It just becomes part of how you move. And, you know, when you I, I got to turn into a beaver on Grimm. And when I got to when I had to turn into mm -hmm. a beaver, I, I let it affect how my my voice would talk. But they didn't they did it all with uh, prosthetics. So I just made, you know, my lips just a little looser and it, it affected it a little bit, but I really feel like John Putch here just nailed a way to make the limitations that were forced upon him by the makeup and the design, turn those into just the way the character talks and just the way the character moves mm -hmm. and simplify it down in such a way that he used the whole rest of his body to convey everything. A turn involved his entire yeah. body from the waist up. He did everything a little slowly and it made the character so yeah. kind. Mm. He's so kind. He and as, as you know, I wanted to talk about the character because I, I've been someone who, who goes back and forth in, in ballooning and string beaning my weight my entire life since I was a very small kid. And 
at the times where I've I've had some extra weight uh, in terms of what people perceive. I've been grateful for any character like this that isn't a beanpole or athletic build and isn't treated for laughs and isn't treated for the weaknesses that, that might be there mm. uh, or might be there in how it's easily presented to an audience, but is a noble, heroic, kind character that that's, has stuck in my head for 35 yeah. years. Like I'm so grateful for the character of Mordok still now that I'm not just a There's pudgy 12 year old. One moment. Pudgy 44 year old. Right after the Zeldin incident and he puts his finger up on his forehead and there's that little groove yeah. and he's just like thinking about it. He's like, hmm, webbed hands. I would have <laughs> not passed that test. And just the matter of fact way he, he put it yeah. out there in honesty, it was uh, just a joy to see him yeah. uh, bring somebody to life. Like it was that little thing, yeah. those moments, that's a lifetime worth of knowledge about that character right there. Like you, you feel yeah. like you know so much more about them. You, you anytime you can exhibit just behavior as as right. an actor, yes. you know, right. is it's just a joy to watch that as an audience member. And it makes sense to me because I I felt like we were shorted a little on Tashanik. Uh, yeah, we, it's, a, it's the first time we get to hear from a Vulcan character on Next Generation, and wonderful character design, and says approximately like three things, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then and then she's done for the episode. However, when you've got a character like Murdoch, I I don't doubt that there are many other scenes of Tashanik, you know piping in on things that were left on the floor in order to focus more on, on this Mordock relationship. I actually like too, that they didn't really over explain anything about the, the breathing apparatus. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. You just are kind of meant to infer. And I think they do in a later scene uh, with the, with the Benzite Benzite race about what it is and, 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 and how they uh, operate, but it just was a nice character trait uh, or I guess an alien design trait that uh felt you know very different and 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 strange like like so many star trek monsters or, or aliens do um but didn't need to be over explained you know you're just kind of yeah. like oh okay yeah he needs to breathe through that thing just there got yeah. it mm -hmm. and this is where we find out that only one person will qualify jimmy you've already talked about this uh <laughs> it is it is not the best it's absurd. statistics <laughs> it's absurd i mean there's a future where like there's supposed to be all this peace and love and understanding, and yet they don't understand that you can have more than one winner. I mean, if we learn, <laughs> if nothing from the the '90s has changed our society, is that everybody's a winner. <laughs> There's no way in the future there is a policy of one person per planet gets into Starfleet. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are. It doesn't matter how many times you've saved the crew of the Enterprise <laughs> that you've flown it, <laughs> that you have been tapped on the shoulder by one of the more powerful beings we've ever met and said, you are pretty powerful. You don't get in unless you pass this test. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Will. Yeah. You're basic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> this did very much feel, though, like a... Uh, you know, that idea of you got to gotta do well in your SATs uh, or else you're not going to get into a good college. They only pick so many people. So you have to be exceptional. It's not just SATs. You got to make sure you have all your clubs and all of your activities. Like, you know, it was, I think, uh, trying to uh, tap into that anxiety that was very prevalent in, you know, 
and, and trying to grow up and only having so many slots available. Um, but I agree with you that it is feel a little bit like wh- how many steps are there? Like one, there can only be one person from a ship and that's why Jake didn't get in. Like he oh, didn't right, test yeah. high enough <laughs> to get in there. And then you have to another test. And then right. when do these, how do weeding them out? <laughs> Again, like a again tournament? how do we fill the ranks of Starfleet this way? You know what they should have rate? done? They should have dropped them on the planet uh, and they have to fight each other. And only, one, only the survivor gets to go. Right. But you can support the person that you think should win and give them advantages in whatever way you think is appropriate. I see where you are. Well, we go back to the ship. I, I am I am hard pressed to tell you what is story A and what is story B, mm. uh, because they they spend fairly equal time amongst the two stories. But we go back to the ship and we find Remick lurking around the bridge like some kind of energy vampire, and people are pissed. He's taking those notes on that stupid little thing. And we find out he's we... got a binar in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> nice previous episode reference. <laughs> and we determine that we we don't even know who is under investigation. Is it Riker? Is it Picard? Is it Crusher? We don't know. Uh, we just know that full uh, cooperation is expected. And Riker takes that note really poorly. <laughs> Not having it. I love that his first assumption is that he's the one that's under review. All the, Riker's all the moms dirty, he's man. been sleeping with. Right? Like, what is on your conscience, Riker, that you immediately are like, is it me? Did they find out? Oh, shit. We've been browsing your harp porn uh, browsing history. We know what you've done. Well, this is why that Riker Googling Twitter account is so yes. good. We accessed your, your uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> you can't he, top harp porn. No. <laughs> you can't top harp porn. When he does go into that interview finally, too, in the ready room, Oosh, that whole, you know, you know, big dick energy kind of like, I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. Yeah. Before he and even And then does he that. pulls that shit with Picard, too. Like, he's yelling at everybody today. <laughs> yeah, because before he even goes into that room, he just breezes past Remick and says, I'm, I'm, I've got ship business, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and just cocks his way past. Uh, just not going to not going to participate. It just calls him Remick. Remick. Stupid Remick. Now we go back down to the planet. Uh, we, we've got a an intense question that Wesley knows the answer to immediately because he's made of magic. This is the trick question, of course, where poor old Oleana just can't quite get it in time. Mm-hmm. The one-to-one ratio of... Matter to anti matter and antimatter, and maybe that's exactly what uh, uh, Jake got wrong when he was doing his uh, antimatter thing on the shuttlecraft, and that's why it's doing that later. Was because he would have gotten go. this wrong. He would have gotten this question wrong. Worth thirty two points. <laughs> <laughs> Oleana says uh, after after the test, it's a good thing you're cute. Otherwise, you could be obnoxious. And I immediately thought of you, Jimmy. <laughs> I immediately thought of you. <laughs> I thought of the both of you. 
Seriously, I was like, I wonder if that's going to make Kate jealous. It did. Oh, it really did. <laughs> Seething. Heaving just flames coming from the sides of my heaving. Oh, yeah. That bitch. Was it a what? nod to fan? You know, because I think by this time there was getting some uh, some fan response to uh, Wesley being magical and solving all problems. I wonder if that was a direct nod to people who are calling him obnoxious. Feels like it, right? Just a, just a little bit of a, we hear you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know. Look, you're not wrong. But poor Wesley. But you're so also flustered. not right. He's flustered by that. He's like, oh. Did you hear what I know, because then he says, he says, did you hear what he said? And he's so cute when he says it. Yeah. <laughs> he called me cute. To which I think Murdoch says something like, is that a good thing? Yeah. Which is he adorable. Just said, is that good? <laughs> Very understated. And Wesley then is like, oh, shit. I don't know. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we go back to the ship because, again, we are back and forth between the A-B story uh, or the uh, buh, buh. Um, I agree with you. It's very. It was very hard for me to determine which one yeah. was the, the 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 center plot. Thank you. Thank thanks, Greg. Yeah, I appreciate I you. you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this is where we get Riker in the ready room, and we get what I think might be our very first right leg sweep and sit, <laughs> where he hikes his leg. He goes to sit down, and instead of going in front of the chair, he hikes his leg up, right leg up pulls it over the chair and then sits down what uh, the beautiful Riker maneuver it's and I so think this good. might be the first time I think it is the first time and, and then afterwards he does the lean in like beyond the center of gravity of the desk you know you can tell he's like in Remick's face uh trying to intimidate him so maybe this first moment was just to be like hey I can look what I can do my legs move in this way <laughs> Do your legs move this way? Did you know I was a trained ballet dancer? Is that in your dossier? <laughs> your digital dossier. Um, it's, but it's such a dick move too. After he's like been standing there, and he's like, "Well, you can stand there, but it's not going to make my questions." And so he's like, right. "Fine." Ugh, Watch sick. my dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> and you say it's the first one because I sent you guys the super cut. There's like 20 of these uh, in, in TNG going forward where he does this. And my favorite is when I, we haven't got to this episode yet where he gets up from the chair and swings off a reverse, a reverse Ooh. Riker maneuver. Oh, uh, made me laugh out loud the first time I saw it. An RRM. <laughs> <laughs> coming up i can't wait <laughs> well this is where we finally find out that there are apparently discrepancies in the captain's log all right Ooh. but first what's the, the big question is do you understand these discrepancies in the captain's logs no they're the captain's logs he doesn't like broadcast them as he's talking about them or like shoot them around like hey i recorded this earlier thinking about posting it let me know what you think like, it's the captain's log. I don't know what the fuck he's saying. That's all and I have to say about that. Th no, it's true. It's true. But but even more so, the, the things that he does know, he knows for sure, right? Like, he's like, yeah, I can explain that. That was weird. And that's why he said it was weird, because it was fucking weird. I'm sure that's... You know how many crystalline problem. entities we've met in just the last eight weeks? <laughs> yeah, Two. two. Then how we, many crystalline entities you ever met? Yeah. Yeah. yeah how many 
Remick. How many binars <laughs> do you know? Remick. Remick. <laughs> Ever meet a godlike species that can whisk you away wherever they want to? Remick. Remick. We did, did day one. If you want to really be worried about Picard, you should probably know that he's really just a clone <laughs> entity that was made up of an energy signal from before. But that's something that you don't need to know. Yeah, we're pretty sure he doesn't have a soul anymore. <laughs> you can even put that in the log, motherfucker. <laughs> and that you can print. <laughs> but it is funny. You, you made the joke about Q. In all of the, uh, uh, you know, references to old episodes, they never mention, uh, Remick doesn't talk about Q at all. We they decided test- not to tell Starfleet about but Q. But there were two episodes by this time, right? You'd think <laughs> like, he would want to, who is this Q and why is he so obsessed with you, Riker? Yeah, Riker. Oh, sorry. I meant Remick. Yeah, Remick. Remick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we begin the process of Remick uh, beginning to, to put the, uh, the thumb screws to the crew, starting with LaForge. And he, and he just keeps twisting words. And I wrote down, it makes me want to punch him in the dick hole. Like, that's how <laughs> I was getting so mad at him. Yeah, he was trying to be like, so he took it, you lost control of the ship, didn't he? And uh, poor Jordy's like, yeah, no, that's, I mean, technically, yes, but that's not really what happened. So the answer is yes, then. What a dick, right? What a dick move. It's like right? this weird, you know, bad cop, bad cop routine that he's doing. Right? He does the same thing to Troy. He mm-hmm. talks about, have you noticed any mental lapses? And then later he's like, oh, so the ship was taken over? I would call that a mental lapse. Well, I would call that fuck you, Remick. <laughs> right. Yes! They totally should have wrote that in. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Uh, now Wesley comes back on board and is just sitting in an empty holodeck, which is not weird at all. Not <laughs> just it's so hot, though. But also, yes, Jimmy, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's so he looks so like smooth. Like he's like he looks like a modern, like a 2020 teenager with his little <laughs> communicator, and he's like checking his tweets to see how things are going he's just so full of feelings <laughs> looking and, he's he's searching for what he's afraid of on that little thing. <laughs> i wonder what the search queries were uh, spiders uh, right. uh, girls and... <laughs> <laughs> and who and better then, to come in right who better who to better? deal with teenage angst than wharf obvi it is about time we get some juicier Worf one-on-one scenes with somebody. Well, here's the deal. Worf says some shit that I swear to you and the gods above that my therapist has been working with me on for a really long time. I had to go back and rewind so I could write down the line, thinking about what you can't control only wastes energy and creates its own enemy. Fuck you. Like, that's my whole life right <laughs> That cost there. me $2,000. Like, I could, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm not ready to hear that yet, so I'd prefer that we move on. <laughs> <laughs> we can I deal with that next week. I personally attacked <laughs> Yeah. That's the scene. <laughs> it was good, though. I actually did like that it was Worf, who you don't think of as the emotional center of this uh 
of this crew right now. But yeah, he, yeah, that's exactly what Wesley needed. As we sit here and talk about coming of age, I think to myself, what better time for one of our Kid Trek segments. That's right, where Greg talks to his daughters about the episode. I can't wait to find out what they think of this episode. Greg, take it away. This is Kid Trek, and we just watched Coming of Age, which had a lot to do with Captain Picard and Ensign Crusher. What did you guys think of uh, this episode overall, real quick? First impressions. Um, I think it was definitely a little bit weird when um, the guy kept saying, I want to talk to you in private. There was a lot of privacy talk in that first part. Yes, that's true. Private, private, I want to talk to you in private. Yeah, that increased the tension in that first part. Yeah, it was very dramatic. It was like um, taking that kind of test. And yeah, to enter the Starfleet Academy, meaning that he would like learn how to be a officer on the starship. So that's kind of like the school that you're doing right now. Yeah, because I was um, thinking that it was weird because people could have got damaged in the last test. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, that was last little test. Acting. Uh, so Edna, what did you think about like the idea of having to take tests to go into uh, a really cool academy? Well, I really liked watching it all, and I think it was really nice that Wesley like gave um, what's his name, the blue guy, Mordock, Mordock, the answers pretty much, Wait, and helped him. Do? So then, do you, have you you've been having a lot of experience around like taking tests and yeah. the nervousness about that, right? Yeah. It was probably nerve-wracking for them. Yeah, and then Captain yeah. Picard had his own test that he was going yeah. through. Yeah, but like they, he didn't know it was a test. That guy who was doing the inspections he wasn't was he just, kind of a jerk? He was trying. Yeah, he was trying to get um, like details to make him look bad. Almost, I feel like he almost wanted to run the ship. Yeah, Remick? he was like words them. into other person's mouths, and he was like, I don't know what he was gonna who he was gonna tell it to. He's gonna tell it to somebody. That admiral, that the the old guy that came on. Yeah, board. he was basically trying to frame and Captain McCard without like. Honestly, I think that the funnest thing about the episode was when you see the editing when they fade away. It's kind of fun to think about it because you know that it's really bad technology. You mean the transporter? Yeah, when they transport so he can go into this place so he can do the test. Yeah. It's just so weird to see, like, glitter go over them and then they go. <laughs> so it is a different time as far as the special effects go. Yeah. yeah. You guys are used to much yeah, better special effects. Yeah, and when you're a kid and you watch this when you're around nine, you, that was probably like, that's so good technology. It did. It did look really good uh, comparatively. But it was... Television. It was never as good as, say, like the movies were. Yeah. Yeah, like TV yeah. shows aren't as good as the movie because movies cost more to like make it a big production. Exactly. But what's interesting is you mentioned that like uh, scene at the end that is the psych test for Wesley. That was all actors with real props. <laughs> right? They they actually did it as like it was theater. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it, it was very real though. But then my favorite part about that was when um, the guy stood up and like walked away, and then the and guy like, came out. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and like, that guy like, reminds me of Jimmy. Peace. Does he remind you of Jimmy? Yes, he reminds like, me. Of Peace. <laughs> you know who else uh, Jimmy said reminded him of him was that guy who was like got the webbed fingers and he was being really mean to Wesley. <laughs> he's like, "That's me." That reminds me of 
reminded him? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. What did you think about that scene where he was almost kind of being bullied? He was being called names and stuff. I actually, like, um, I did not expect that he was going to be a test. I was like, why is this going to be me? For a second, I thought, yeah. like, that guy was an older guy and he was... Like, actually, bullying. he was already in the academy, mm. and he was like, you're not as good as me, you're not even in the academy, and he was just, like, being like that. He was kind of being like I that. I expected yeah. it would be, like, a person that was just um, trying to get in the test, try to, like, man- manipulate him. Manipulate him? To, like, tell him yeah. that he can't do it. Yeah. I thought it kind of was, like, a bully. Did you guys ever... Yeah, yeah I, I thought, thought he, he was, was a bully, bully, and I thought he was going to be, like, he was, like, he stood up, and he was, like... Hey, you bumped into me first. Yeah. Even though he didn't even bump into him. So how many times uh, have you been told by teachers or whatnot that, like, you just got to stand up to a bully and then they'll go away? But that's, and that never really works. That's no, the hardest that thing because really that's when the teachers start getting you in trouble. And they're like, But it worked for Wesley. Yelling? It worked for Wesley, didn't it? Well, it was just a test. So it wasn't really real. They wanted him to fight back. And then he was like... You have passed the test. And then that guy came in. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. What did you guys think of all those interviews that Remick was doing when it kept kept cutting between those interviews? What did you think I of think that? I think that was actually kind of cool because it was sort of like one person had an interview, like Dr. Crusher had an interview and he was like, that's none of your business. She said that to yeah. him about how Captain McCarr pretty much like and he's let like, the husband die, even though that's not even true. Um, no, that is the backstory. Yeah, that, oh. that uh, Doctor Crusher was married to Wesley's dad, and yeah. while they while Wesley's dad was serving with Captain Picard, uh, he died. And then and then Captain Picard had to go back and tell Wesley when he was a boy, like your age, that your father died in service. Yeah. And so that's why they have that connection, and that's what Remick is asking about. But I think he's trying to frame Captain Picard of killing him. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. All of a sudden it became murder she wrote. <laughs> yeah, um it's my favorite part in the the thing when she's like, You're you're lucky you're cute, Wesley. Yeah. Yeah, that I like that too. Cause he was kind of being obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. And then at the end she's like, I'm gonna beat you next time. You better bring your A game. Yeah, I think they're gonna fall in love. You think so? Yeah. What if they get married and then Wesley dies? Wait, like father. <laughs> what if that's like another series? What about the guy that is uh, in the shuttlecraft uh, and he almost dies? Oh, that was scary. I, I thought like, he was gonna die, I almost, and I had no idea why he was doing. I that. thought that oh, yeah. um, that was gonna be a test for Wesley to save. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh. come in. Um, but yeah, no, he was running away, and it actually ended up being a test of uh, Picard to see how he, he could handle. It was actually kind of nice at the end because the guy that was interviewing all of them, he was like, "I want to work with you one day," because he found out they were really nice to each other, and it was like a family, and he wanted to be part of that. So after that, he was like, "I um, am looking forward to working with you, Captain Picard." Yeah. He did. He totally had a, had a had a change of heart, and he really yeah. loved the Enterprise and all the people on it. You're right. Picard goes on a walk, and he actually sees Wesley Crusher, and he sees uh, the name the guy who left on the shuttlecraft. Yeah. Right, and he has yeah. like really touching scenes with both of them. I really liked when Captain Picard told Wesley that I didn't make it in in the first 
um, test to get into the academy. And he's like, don't tell anyone, though, because I've never, ever told anyone. Yeah, you were surprised by that. I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I, like, I wasn't surprised that, like, I was surprised, but that he didn't make it in. And I was like, oh, I thought he was, like, super smart. But then he made it in on the second time because he got to know the tests and stuff. And then that sounded more like Captain. That sounded like Captain Picard. (laughs) Yeah, and then it was funny that he said, but don't tell anyone this. (laughs) That was funny. He was. He was, was like, sharing a little secret. I thought that was cool, too. You know, I didn't pass my first uh, driver's test. (laughs) Yeah, to get my driver's license. But you're a good driver. I'm a good driver, yeah. I took it the second time. And not again! <laughs> Excellent. All right, so what did you think of uh, uh, of coming of age as a whole after talking it through, Fiona? I felt like coming of age was like kind of like a mini movie with like a big, big story. You thought so, it had a big story too? Yeah, I thought like, because usually they're just um, in the episodes I've seen of Star Trek. I was um, enjoying this one the most because it was definitely a cool story. Cool. What about you, Edna? I feel the same as Fiona because it was really, it was really fun to watch. And I like that there was like two different problems because usually there's one problem in the whole episode where they're like seeing a new planet and adventuring it. But this time it was like two different problems, not problems, but like two different things happening. And I really liked that it would go back and forth and back and forth. And I liked learning two stories in one episode. Yeah. But then they connected together. Right. They're related. It's similar to like the sitcoms that you guys like to watch too, where I think there's always yeah. an A plot and a B plot, yeah. right? Like there were some of the characters are doing this one thing and then the other characters are doing this other. Sometimes there's gonna yeah. be a C plot too. Yeah. In the um Star Trek video, because it's What are you like talking about, hour, baby? <laughs> I was trying to say that YouTube video that you saw. Though. Star Trek Acid Party. Yes. Yes. I have <laughs> shown you guys some of Star Trek Acid Party. And it was so funny when they had the filters on and they were talking and it was hard to keep keep them serious, like hard to take them seriously. Yes, because they got the big heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and then Dr. Crusher comes in and says, Captain. <laughs> he comes, Captain. And then, and then Captain McCart is like, hmm. <laughs> and they look at each other in a lovely way. <laughs> and it's, just really funny to watch and you can also see the landscape that are in the episodes because you can you can see it for like one second and then it goes to where they are and you can see for like a while and like notice all the details in where they are that's awesome baby i love that you're doing the pitch for star trek acid party just like i have been doing these last few weeks uh and the weeks to come so everybody that has been kid track thanks edna You're welcome. Bye. Thanks, thanks, Fiona. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. So the one thing whenever I think about Star Trek, I just think of that funny video about it. Oh, yeah, the Star Trek acid party, right? (laughs) With the farts. Yeah. Watch that. Watch it. (laughs) Look it up on YouTube. It's really good. It's really good. (laughs) Because. It makes me very happy. Uh, We, we, Y'all, Jake. Jake comes back. Jake. And Jake, Jake is fucking messing everything up by going rogue in the shuttlecraft and making Picard look really bad. Like, it is the worst fucking timing ever. Remick is on board, and what do we fucking see Remick. but uh, Jake 
taking over what was apparently an uncra- uh, uh, an unlocked shuttlecraft, which is going to need to be addressed. I mean, they tell Remick <laughs> to shut up immediately when he's like, shouldn't have that been locked? But I was like, you know what? For the first time, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> the key was, you know, uh, right under the left rear tire. <laughs> yeah, he just he got, he got the key out of the uh, shade from the... Yeah, the sunshade. <laughs> but this is the first time Picard really gets on Remick. He's, he says, either get out of my way and keep quiet, or I will have you removed. Which yeah. is pretty baller, if you ask me. Yeah. I would have done worse with Remick and up in his face, like challenging his authority in like an emergency situation. I'm sure you've all been there when doing productions, and someone is complaining about something that, you know, is important to them, but really is just getting in the way of of tech rehearsal or something like that and you're like now is not the time do not do this right now because i'm in the middle of giving you know the pep speech or whatever it is that is way more important and then he just gets right over his face and i would i would have socked him i would have just been like nope get away punch him in the dick hole <laughs> punch him in the dick hole yeah but picard i actually love how calm picard is throughout this whole scene like he makes a point to be like i am unfettered you must listen to what I say and and do exactly uh, what I tell you, even though it's counterintuitive, uh, and you will survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes up with this uh, crazy plan w- that everybody thinks is uh, cuckoo bananas. Uh, I do want to ask, though, how how he breaks the shuttle so quickly. Yeah. Like, one moment he's fine, and then the next moment he's careening out of control and yeah. like you said Jimmy somehow beyond the scope of the transporter like, science stuff <laughs> science stuff don't worry about it Kate we need a dramatic moment we need him in danger so that we can have the card save him in front of Remick say something sciencey. <laughs> he can't be transported out he's too far he is too far and the it tractor does. beam won't get there. Either. Tractor like, beam doesn't work. I think his palms got so sweaty that the entire <laughs> ship shorted out when he tried to steer it. <laughs> and at that point, he's more liquid than man. And it's very difficult to uh, get a, a lock on him in order to get him he's safely too off wet. that shuttle. He's too wet, Captain. I can't get a lock on him. That's it. He's too <laughs> slippery. <laughs> Slippery. <laughs> oh, Thank goodness brilliant. this planet did not have uh, chlorofluorocarbons uh, and right. uh, uh, messed up ozone layer because then it was able to bounce right off. Because he just yeah. skims that atmosphere, just yeah. skims right off of it like water off of a duck's back. Disappointing uh, Data didn't know what he was up to. Like, I had expect he could surprise anybody. Data should have had, like, I know what he's doing. This is good. Good for you, Captain. Respect. Respect. There's also, like, there's a lot of waiting in this scene. He could have just said, oh, I'm going to have him bounce off the atmosphere. And everyone would be like, oh, okay, that's a good plan. Uh, Why did he have to keep that secret? He's got style. He's got panache. Science. He's got a little way about him. He snaps when he walks, you know? You, sir, don't know how to put on a good show. (laughs) (laughs) This is for Remick's benefit only. That's right. Well, and you have to admit, even Remick is impressed. He gives a little fist pump. He's like, And a little like, yeah! We did it! That mixture of Josh Hawley and Howard Dean. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. Too much? Was that, but, that was too much and too soon? 
But he wow. goes on. He, he 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 gets excited and then immediately goes back to being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's yeah. like, wait a second, I showed my I showed my hand too much. I gotta I gotta kiss up to the captain after this. That's what the final scene's gonna be about. <laughs> right. Right. So we we go back on the planet, and Wesley bumps into someone who goes super aggro, super fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric, I would like you to tell me about your uh, experience seeing our first Zaldan or Zaldin character. Oh, I I, I thought Zaldan was was really fantastic. Uh, I wanted to hear more about what what Jimmy's reaction was before I read my particular notes. Yeah, Jimmy, tell tell me about Zal uh, this this Zaldin Zaldan. Well, to tell you about Zaldan and how he uh, uh, <laughs> affected me. We have to travel back in time Ooh. <laughs> to when I first arrived into the Emerald City that I now love, Seattle, which I absolutely loathed upon arriving here. Um, I didn't like how slow it was. <laughs> I didn't like how everybody asked you what you were doing for the weekend and what your plans were. I absolutely hated that when I went into the bank, they they would yell through the bulletproof glass, hey, how you doing? As if they were getting paid money for every greeting they handed out. Um, I, I said this out loud many times on the Lazy Muse podcast and to people that I met, you know, just as I was being introduced to new set, Seattleites, I find your city abusively courteous. um and i truly loathed it (laughs) and when uh we meet this uh zaldanian and we find out that they actually find uh false that courtesy to be offensive because it's a big lie i was like it's like when you first realize you love somebody and you say everything else, but I love you. Like, I like you. I really like you. I really, really, really like you. And it's not until you say I love you that you feel satisfied. I feel satisfied when I heard this. I was like, yes, I'm a Zaldin. You found your forever person. Now I know. I'm going to put that in my in my signatures from now on. Instead of he, his, I'm going to put Zaldin. <laughs> Jimmy, can I tell you what my note is about uh, meeting Zaldan? Yes, please. And I quote, Jimmy is Zaldan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, it does. It's very freeing. I feel like I'm coming out of the closet. <laughs> just to have a word. Well, can you can you hold up your thumb and your forefinger? Can we see that webbed? Uh, there it is. There's the webbing. Always wondered. What I that always was. think of Hardy Haskell syndrome, which is a a webbed uh, uh, toes and I believe fingers uh, uh, disorder that uh, started out on an island off the coast of Maine and is named for two of the families on that island. And now I am done with Hardy Haskell syndrome. (laughs) And so began the story of Lobster Boy. (laughs) Kit, your face when he was about to say. (laughs) I know. I was like, what? What are we going to (laughs) say? No, I, I, I admire the way Wesley shifts in that. He's, he's at first, you know, so 
uh, kowtowed and, and very, you know, I'm so sorry. And this was completely my fault. And, you know, and the minute he sees that, that webbing, uh, he knows that he has to shift focus. Uh, and he, he gets very aggressive for Wesley. <laughs> the most angry we've seen him, I think. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's very much like the tiny squirrel on my back porch that gets very angry at the big squirrels. <laughs> exactly like that. That's what I was thinking too. Uh, but again, we find out it's just, it's just all a test, which you just never know what's going to be a, a test on that. Is the test a test in and of itself? <laughs> at this point, I'm hanging next to Wesley. Like my life depends on it on that ship because this dude sees through all of the tests He's he's on top of it, unfazed. I can learn like Eugene Levy sitting next to the class clown. <laughs> this is this is what I need to do. <laughs> and that's what Mordock says. He's like, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten that. And you knew web fingers meant He knows all the terms. <laughs> <laughs> Should I strike this? Midnight at the Oasis. <laughs> so oh, we go back God, to I the hope ship. our listeners know waiting for Guffy. <laughs> I think they do. We go back to the ship because, of course, we do. Uh, and this is a really, I loved this section, which is Remick uh, interrogating different people in, uh, in the observation room. And mm-hmm. one... Uh, one conversation sort of drifts into the next and you're never really sure who you're talking to. I just thought that that was handled really well. Yeah, very cleverly done. I I hope it was you know through the writing, but I could even see this emerging from the editing of these scenes and just having it, you know, uh, um, bleed one into the next and not knowing uh, who is coming. There's some reveals with the reflection uh where you get to see Worf uh and that's the reveal of like oh no wait he's not talking to the person he was talking to before he's talking to someone else um yeah very very clever it was super satisfying um to to kind of witness that yeah very satisfying that he starts with data and and talking about well talking about data with data uh and, Uh and points of logic and that data just throws that right back at him like I can't find things that don't exist you have access to everything that you need mm-hmm. uh so therefore mm-hmm. your initial thing is flawed and to which remix says that's unacceptable <laughs> and he says it may be unacceptable but it's but it's the truth more right. or less <laughs> yeah and then we and then we shift to Worf, who is n- simply not having this conversation <laughs> but again he's got the best one-liner <laughs> yes. in this whole whole episode <laughs> yeah uh, he says something like y- you don't like me do you and is it required yeah, <laughs> so good. I, I, how many times have you wanted to answer that way with a with a superior or like a you know a, a gym teacher or whatever who's tried to say that to you and you're like, do I have to like you? Is that what I need I once, to get an A? I once got fired from a job that I excelled at. That I had a public facing part of my job, uh, doing uh-huh. lots of shows and and things, and then I had uh, a private side of my job where I worked in the office doing computer work. And I injured myself actually on the job pretty severely, back injury, and and did all this stuff and did all these public shows very well. Thank you very much. Uh, People enjoyed me uh, (laughs) teaching them about uh, the things I was teaching them about. And then I would come back and work in the office and be in intense pain uh, working. And I had a a one-on-one with my manager who was basically telling me that they were going to let me go and said... 
Uh, you just seem really unhappy when you're in the office, but then oh. when you're out with the public, you seem uh, it seems really different. And I'm like, am I required on my lunch break to tell you yeah. that everything is going right. hunky dory when it's not? Spoiler alert! Turns out I probably could have sued them uh, because I got <laughs> injured on the job, and then they fired me for being sad about being injured on the job. But I didn't. Uh, How long ago was it? <laughs> right? I think you can too still long can. Ago. Too long ago. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my life. That was worth. Um, that was worth being mean that to Kate. Uh, then we get him talking to Beverly uh, and walking a very thin line with Beverly. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. You think she's panicking a little bit because she's like, your personal. And he, he crosses the, the table, Remick does, and tries you to can- do the. What we talk about here is confidential. Yeah, it's fine. You can be totally fine. Right. You're not smooth. Pals. You're not smooth. And you know no. she's thinking about being in San Francisco, uh, right? playing as Dixon Hill and wanting right? to smash in his office. Smashing in that office. But instead, he just lays that bomb of, you know, the way he killed your husband. <laughs> so smooth. So great. So appropriate. Yeah. And she basically laughs in his face. Without giving it away, uh, except to us, the knowing viewers. No. Then finally, 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 we get Remick and Picard. Uh, to which yes, Picard says, uh, he comes down to Picard for saving Wesley's life. How could you have done that? And basically Picard says, the only thing I am guilty of is allowing the charade to go on too long. Yes, charade. Love the charade. No one pronounces it like <laughs> No. Except for what makes him special. Brits pretending to be Frenchmen. (laughs) Then uh, we go back down to the planet where Wesley and the other uh, hopefuls are taking the dynamic relationships test, uh, which I uh, Mm -hmm. at that age would have wanted to take a dynamic relationships (laughs) test with Wesley Crusher, if you know what I mean. You've got the parameters (laughs) right, baby. And Mordock is freaking out, and Wesley talks him down, and and basically loses his number one seat because because of that. It's a big yeah. moment. It's a big moment. And Mordock, what a nice uh, kid. doesn't know what to do with that. He's like, I I feel dirty. I feel like I won, but I didn't win. Doesn't like it. What were you going to say, Eric? I was just saying it was a big moment. It's a really big moment for young Wesley. Noble sacrifice. It was uh, it was a joy to watch. We could all learn something. <laughs> it was a real team effort. Well, it's like yeah. they gave every epi- every reason to believe Wesley won, but then they just gave it to somebody else for the the mere fact that Wesley was still on contract for many more episodes. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no like, reason for anybody to win other than Wesley. He he won everything. He, he was the only one who was shown to have passed tests. I mean, sure, certainly everybody else did, but we didn't get to see that. Only we get to see Wesley excel. I did think that it was interesting because when they give it to Mordock, which was the right answer, right? Like, who yeah. who wouldn't want to give it to Mordock? Uh, he, he protests and says, I shouldn't have gotten this because he lost those points. And they make a point to say that's not the only reason. Right, but they should have shown they should have shown us that. They decided to only show us the things that made oh, Wesley look sure. great. 
They right. never showed us why Murdoch should have won. Like I want to know what Murdoch's uh, fear was because he comes out, uh, like with something like that. His hands like look almost burned or like ice. My like, head cannon was that they put him into uh, the never-ending story, and he's like, "My hands, <laughs> <laughs> my hands, I couldn't hold on to them." That must have been awesome. it. That must have been it. It's canon, but it's I don't canon. know. Yeah, right. He's more worried about the psych test. Like he doesn't even care about these little piddly, uh, you know, physics problems that he's got to do and and trick questions. Right. The he's, enemy is in your own mind, man. Yeah, he psyched himself. That's the test you got to be afraid of. <laughs> well, before we even get to that test, we find out back on the ship. Meanwhile, back on the ship. Yes. That this whole thing has been a charade. <laughs> In and of itself. <laughs> it is. That the Admiral n- knows that there's no, that there's nothing wrong. First of all, Remick eats crow in a beautiful way, though, where he says, you know, like, I couldn't, I couldn't find what you were looking for. I tried. I'm sorry. By the way, I'm almost done with what I'm doing. And I would like to be on board the Enterprise. That was <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Gives him a... Well, that won't be happening, look. I felt so bad for that actor. Why did you like that, Jimmy? Because it was, there's no way after the way he behaved, anybody would be like, oh, yeah, no, you were just doing your job. Like, he went out of his way to oh, be sure. unlikable. I mean, his very first line is, I will, I will do it. I won't let nobody get in my way. Like, yeah. I mean, he was absolutely... The the I, the opposite of everything he found to be true on the Enterprise. I went an opposite way in my head. I feel like the way he performed it, he knows he's not going to be on the Enterprise. He's making sure that they know, for the record, that he thinks this is the best ship in the in the fleet, and that he's proud to have been the one doing the dirty work to prove it. The way I kind of feel like Worf was the perfect one to teach Wesley about uh, the fears that you have inside. Do you know what I mean? Worf is the ruthless warrior that isn't really phased by those, even though it came at him. So he's the right one to talk to about it. Right. I know how to get past that. I feel like this guy at the end is saying, I am the one who's willing to do all the bad shit so that true idealists like you can keep doing all the good shit and I love it when I see true idealists like you that I can keep doing the bad shit to protect. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he's doing that thing that Wolverine and Storm do while they're watching all the kids play baseball and talk about all of the bad shit that we'll do to protect those kids to keep them all doing the right thing for the right reasons. And maybe it's because I think he's a great actor, but I feel like all of that is in the performance of that. When I'm finished, this is where I'd like to serve. I'm a sucker for it. I think Mm -hmm. it happens in tons of movies and comics and thrillers and things like that, where the people who have already lost their souls and are doing the shit they think is necessary are then confronted with the reason they're doing that shit. I think it's horse shit, but I'm a sucker for it in a storytelling way. That's the training day, right? That's like, you know, yeah, yeah, I have to be a bad guy so that you can live your life uh, free of being pursued by other bad guys. Right. And that I hope that my job's not necessary someday. You know, Aww. is I feel like 
inherent in that when I'm finished, this is where I'd like to serve. So do you, here's the question then, because I think the real telling thing that supports your theory, Eric, is, uh-huh. is yes, we saved that kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that was in being yeah. <clears throat> I think he's a bad person, but I think he loves that there are good people and he loves knowing who they are. Well, and if things were going wrong on that ship, you need a bad person to find that shit out. Maybe. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. That's that's the theory anyway. That's certainly <laughs> that's the Republican theory us. of foreign policy. <laughs> that's what I, I hope that I hope it's not us. true that only bad people can <laughs> find the truth. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> now we've hit upon my greatest fear. Uh, so let's talk about Wesley's greatest fear, uh, yeah. which is he they send him to the room. Uh, which was an intimidating room. It reminded me of when you go in, they send you into an interview and there's two chairs in front of a desk and you have to like decide which chair you're going to sit in (laughs) and like what's the right power play move for the interview that you're in. And that's part of the test. Uh, But there was just an empty room with a chair. Set wise, Uh, you could see the seams in the carpet, which I would, I liked that they're like, oh yeah, no, we, we we could dress this, but it's only in for, you know, 15 seconds. We don't need to do it that much. He, he muses out loud that perhaps they've forgotten about him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, they, who could? Who could? <laughs> and then he hears uh, explosions, big booms coming, runs to that boom, environmental lab, and what is he faced with? He's worse there. <laughs> yeah, but he's unfazed at all, though. He's like, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. He's oh, Wesley yeah. Crusher, dude. Yeah. Well, an instinct kicks in, right? You go to the person who is clearly in trouble, uh, who's clearly injured and is clearly asking for help. Uh, and as he keeps saying to the guy, like, I can't help you. You're, you're not injured. Right. <laughs> Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. Like you said last yourself. week. <laughs> uh, because apparently he's afraid to walk through the liquid oxygen, which uh, Wesley is walking through. Thank no, you very twice. much. It gives him... Gives him that nice um, silver fox look temporarily. <laughs> uh, they still had some more of that effect left over from the second episode of the series. <laughs> they <laughs> they got, got the that in stuff. bulk. Yeah. Hey, boss. <laughs> My cousin's got a warehouse full of this shit. We've been trying to find a use for it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it makes you sterile. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It's the sterile now. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> it's canon. <laughs> <laughs> but we but we find out that it's 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 all a big uh, facade. Charade. A charade, a charade. as a charade. Yeah, so a couple of things about this. A, you have a world that has holodeck technology. This could have easily been done in a holodeck simulation, but no, they have hired two actors to portray this scene with all of the you know technical yeah. mumbo jumbo happening and my favorite bit is when they walk out of this supposed disaster and they're like we gotcha later yeah. gotta go the do, guy gotta literally gives, test. the guy literally gives him like a sorry about it yeah yeah uh, one so would you say these are union crisis planet. actors it's a union planet eric <laughs> it's a union planet two i'm absolutely positive it's a lord d theater <laughs> well, that's a semi-living wage. That's a Lord D, dude. Like, that's a full. You can have a house, Lord D. Not, I mean, not in 
some cities. In some cities, on, yeah. On Velma 7 not, or whatever it is. I mean, it's really not here. It's like one little dome. <laughs> so you're definitely getting quarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I just want to see housing. the intergalactic back page. It's like, we'll, we'll pay for... We'll pair for your travel out to Lord D's <laughs> Haven land. I was imagining the audition video that they had to submit <laughs> in order to to get uh and, and he stops just short of saying, Game over, man. Game <laughs> over. Intense. Yeah. Well, I mean it's the exact same gig as the you know, the the fake patients or the fake law student uh you know, clients, all that kind of stuff. Like that's a legit uh, employment opportunity. I got a, a buddy in New York that's doing that right now at, at a new, at a New Jersey hospital twice a week. He's going over there and putting on however many masks and having uh, medical students examine him for something. Oh, man. <laughs> I hope, I hope he get, has he got syphilis yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, the only time I did it was at Bellevue in Manhattan and it was first year med students having their first one-on-one with uh, patients, you know, quote unquote patients. They knew we were actors, but their job was to come in and get our sexual history. And one of the students literally came in and the first words out of their mouth were, have you ever had anal sex? And I was just like, okay, like I got to take notes on all these. Right. Okay. Here we go. Do you want to? So I would love to do one of these escape room actor things that they get hired to do uh, in this particular episode. That's great. And that was uh, Jimmy. This guy kind of looks like you, at least when he's giving the nod, I was like, he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he doesn't walk away. I was like, is that Jimmy? It looks like it. Looks like it. Uncredited. <laughs> well, Jimmy was old enough to have played that guy. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I was like 20 years old. See? Actually, I was like 89. I was actually 18. So. Oh, never mind. I was being ridiculous. <laughs> well, we find out that, that he's not going to be the candidate. It's going to be Mordock, which again... I think was the right decision because of like, writing because of writing. Yes. <laughs> well, you do have the two main, like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Question marks are, is Wesley going to go to the Academy and is Picard going to go with him? And both of them are very clearly under contract and their names are very right. fully on those opening credits. So I'm not so sure uh, how well we did in terms of, knowing whether this right. is a, a true crisis. Somewhat believable in that, you know, he could escort him there, but... Right. You know, that I mean, they're... Unless the show was being canceled, that, if it was season finale or series can finale... Can I just say spin-off? Yes, they're spin-off, 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 spin-off. Yes. Starfleet Academy. What? <laughs> and then it would always end with, like, some sort of prank and then Picard going, Cadets! Yes, and then Sinbad like shows that. up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but back on the ship, Picard lets Riker know what what his offer is. And did anyone else think Riker had a moment of? So you're saying that the captain's chair is empty? <laughs> <laughs> he did smile pretty big. Let like, me put like, my leg over the chair. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm way behind on the series Picard and and what's going on there. Would any of the main problems have been solved by having, say, someone really awesome running Starfleet Academy for the last 30 years or um, not at all? Not at all. 
Okay. I'm just always curious because like <laughs> having this guy completely revamp how this academy treats everybody like assholes and clearly creates a ton of sociopaths <laughs> right. might help the future no, of Starfleet. True. We're going to start with accepting more than one person per planet. <laughs> Day one. Bold. Not having them think that we are constantly throwing them problems so that if the place actually gets on fire, we lose half right. the people because they're all trying to be heroes. Do you think this is a throwback to Kobayashi? Not Kobayashi. Is that what it is? Yeah, the, the Kobayashi, Kobayashi. Yeah, the Kobayashi oh, Maru. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, which was from what, uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, where that's first mentioned. The Wrath of it, Khan. Yeah, it, it, there's definitely uh, echoes of... Uh, being in a no-win situation and how you deal with it and and, and having to finally get your graduation uh, from Starfleet Academy after you go through that. Well, certainly they picked probably the most uh, upsetting thing for Wesley, uh, which is sort of facing the circumstances that surrounded his own father's death uh, in a no-win situation, uh, which is... A, a bold move. <laughs> yeah, but again, he doesn't seem phased by it at all. And I don't know if that was just, you know, they didn't have the, the, the time to kind of develop it, but he is a little bit like, huh, that was my biggest fear? Well, I guess I didn't really I could do that. that. Yeah. Look, he that goes through nice. the stages really fast. <laughs> I mean, he is super smart. He, he is a wunderkind. So he just yeah. experiences things yeah. much more rapidly. Uh, back on the ship, we get to see Picard in his dress uniform, which is always a big highlight for me. And big fan of the diagonal stripe yeah, on oh, just about so anything. So good. Yeah. He, a cut on the bias. Come on now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he meets young Jake in the hall and gives him a very sort of gentle talking to that ends very sternly. Uh, after, Because he kind of gives him a, hey, hey. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, kiddo. How you doing? How you feeling? You know, and sort of gives him a little bit of a like, all right, you fucked up, but we're going to work through this. And it's not until the kid says, till Jake says, you know, thank you for saving my life, that Picard gets kind of brusque with him and says, that's my job, young man. Yeah, Which I think cause... is an interesting, I want, and I wonder if that's when he makes his decision yeah. that he's yeah. going to stay on board. Exactly. when That's the exact moment. Ha ha! I have saved a child, and now I want to get to as far away from any more children as is humanly possible. But instead, he runs smack into Wesley uh, in the observation room. And they have a really lovely scene together where Wesley, you know, isn't in his dress uniform because he thinks they don't want him there because he failed. Which he did. Huge failure. <laughs> Which, it's called spade a spade. Then, he failed. And then, at least, and then at least Picard 32 says points. something that, again, my therapist has been trying to tell me for a very long time. <laughs> Measure your successes and failures from within, not what others think. Easy for you to say, Picard. Right. But, <laughs> but fuck you. But I think he was all, I mean, I, what I like about this scene <laughs> is that it feels like the end of, a, of an arc, right? Like, you know, you kind of got... Picard's reluctance to be around children and especially around Wesley in the you know the first half of this first season and this feels like a okay yeah we're 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 on the same we're not peers necessarily but at least we feel like we've all been through the same shit cuz yeah. I feel and this, I mentioned this in our, our 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 you know previous discussion uh leading up to this interview, but Picard has a little coming of age moment here too where he realizes like wait a second I don't I don't want the politics I don't want to please 
this admiral uh, and and go up the ranks of Starfleet. I I love this ship and I want to be a part of it and and mentoring uh, people on um, you know in in practice is more interesting to him than in theory at, at an academy. I like that. I like that kind of bookending moment. Yeah, it's nice Agreed. because both he and Wesley sort of have these parallel uh, crises where they have to decide who they are uh, in this present moment and and how that relates to um, their position. Uh, and uh, they they each have their own little epiphanies. Yeah. Or epiphany, which is what the plural of epiphany is. <laughs> Yeah. But uh but we find out that uh the Picard failed his himself the first time. Right. Yeah. Which is a Wait, nice Which only leads me, and now making. I want to know how many times it took everybody. War, <laughs> data, uh Yar. I want to know everybody. How many times did it take you to get into Starfleet? These are pressing questions for me now. It's like <laughs> failing your driving test the first time. Right. Which I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, I didn't. I didn't oh, either. Wunderkind here now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no wonder she likes Wesley so much. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I was in the gifted and talented program. I was actually in the gifted and talented program in one place called Gate, and then I was in the talented and gifted program in another Ooh. place called Tag. So which one is it? Uh, we had one that did not assume that you were talented if you were gifted. <laughs> if you were gifted at, at the test taking, and looking around at, at 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 some of the people in the class, I think that's fair. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in uh, a junior in high school, and I was in my um, talented and gifted history class, and we had a a substitute that day, and before she came in, she was running late. We all got on our desks and froze. Uh, and to her credit, she walked in and said, freeze, when she saw all of us, which got uh -huh. everybody on her side. But as everyone was getting off her de our desks, I looked at her and said, we're talented. <laughs> <laughs> like an apology. Like we're talented and gifted. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> But we end uh, with with oh. Wesley uh, at the at the controls. Uh, Picard says, "Shall we continue with our mission?" And then we get a, a Mister Crusher engage, which brings us to the mm. end of this episode. Uh, any any final thoughts on this episode before we put it to bed to try again in another year? <laughs> I think it's. One of the episodes of, of this series, along with things like Tin Man and uh, a couple of other ones along the way that really stuck with me uh, and that crossed my mind a couple times a year, whether I've watched Star Trek in a while or not. And I was a, a big fan and I, I would consider myself, you know, a, a Trekker until college or so and then i became much more casual in my consumption but this is one of the episodes that that i still think about all the time i was glad to sit down and just watch it i didn't have a strong of a of a, of a connection with this one as i had in other episodes but rewatching it it definitely um was this nice balance of storytelling that i appreciated like having you know we mentioned the, the writing and how it's 
was contrived a bit to create the drama, but it it does end up at this really nice book ending moment, which we were just discussing that feels uh, earned uh, by what happened with Picard and with Crusher. Uh, and that's very hard to do in just 45 minutes with two major characters having completely different plots uh, happening. But uh, it, it was woven expertly and and that was due to the direction and the performance and all the guest stars that we, we talked about before like really make this episode uh stand out uh here in this first season oh yeah i loved it uh one of my favorites so far not my favorite but one of them uh love mordock maybe my favorite uh alien entity that we've come across um i'm so happy we get to see an iteration of him again in the future i really wish he was a regular person and you know when you find your identity you never forget that and uh i didn't remember this episode before i rewatched it but i can promise you i will never ever forget it again because i'm a zaldon and i'm proud you to are. say that yeah. I'm a zaldon yeah i feel free I just, I feel free. <laughs> I'm so glad we could all be here for this moment, Jimmy. And I'm glad that you all joined us for this uh, journey. And we hope you'll join us next week for Heart of Glory. Yeah, it's a big Klingon Ooh, episode. It's a big upcoming. Klingon episode. Yeah, Jimmy's excited. Very exciting guest star. Some uh, great wharf lines. <laughs> he's not just a comic relief in this one. It's all about him. So it'll be awesome. Uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, in the meantime, shit, my pants are wet. <laughs> it's all because of Wesley. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on the bridge for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek shenanigans. Follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Insta. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down on Twitter and Insta. Jimmy D is, of course, at the Jimmy G on Insta. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito at Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo underscore 97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for the saucer section to re-engage.